Spring has sprung in the triad, and the Sharp team with Highlands Mortgage is springing into action to help you buy a new home. With the housing market heating up, the best time to act is now to get into a house by the summer. If you've been waiting to move or have questions about buying a home, you can rely upon the Sharp team to listen to your concerns, work proactively with you to find a loan that is right for you, and will take the very best care of you. Call the Sharp team today or just Google their website. When you're grilling on your new back patio or sipping tea on the front porch, you'll be very happy that you did. Get started with an email to our friend Ashley McKenzie Sharp, ashley at sharploans.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y at sharp, S-H-A-R-P-E, loans.com, ashley at sharploans.com. This is the Triad Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Thank you for downloading another episode of the Triad Podcast Network. We are back with our certified financial planner. She is Jennifer Johnson. She is from Three Magnolias Financial Advisors based right here in the Triad in Winston-Salem. If you want information on how to reach her or her team, you can find that information in the show notes, email address, phone number, website, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll go over that as well toward the end of the show. So uh, Jennifer, today looks like we're talking about something that came up in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Our last episode was all about your your financial literacy, right? And right. taking taking quizzes and asking questions about, are you financially literate? And we touched on the topic of identity theft and scams and right. ways that people uh, just have their money and and some of their financial and and ID um, resources just taken away from them through scammers that are out there in all sorts of ways. And so today, we really wanted to dig into that subject to try to help people that are curious about the topic, may have been affected by this in some way, shape, or form. So um, maybe introduce the topic to us a little bit in terms of what we're going to discuss sure. today. And then I know you brought in uh, some reinforcements as well That's from, right. from your team that uh, has has some some really uh, relatable background in this field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely came up. You know, we were talking about financial literacy and one of the, the red flags I think, I think we found was if you've had some identity theft or something of that nature, or that maybe you've been victim of a scam. But, but I think we shared that in that podcast and, and, and this should reinforce it too, that, you know, financial scams don't just affect the financially illiterate. Right. I mean, I think a lot of us and and the data found is actually pretty shocking for the numbers of people affected by some kind of identity uh, theft or fraud. So, so certainly don't want to give the impression if, if you have been affected um, it was because you're financially illiterate or, um, you know, or if, uh, you know, if you feel like you're financially literate, it'll never happen, you know, to me, right? So, uh, so there are some things that I think we want to be wary of, because it's a real, it's a real nightmare, of course, if your identity is still is stolen, and, and financially, you know, there's some financial loss, you know, that we mentioned in that last podcast. And, and I do have a, a teammate here with me. I've got Connor Cornelson. Uh, Connor's has joined our firm in January and he comes to us with a background in IT. And so definitely wanted to get his input on this topic. Um, I think he has some things to add that, that uh, would be maybe 
additional things that I did not even think of. So glad to have him part of it. So say hello, Connor, to all our listeners out there. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. And of course, I'm happy to be here today. So looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. 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 So so let's start with some 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 facts here. Jennifer, you always provide us with very um, with numbers that really stand out. I mean, you you've rattled off some statistics in previous episode that have truly opened my eyes in terms of how many people are affected by some of the different topics that we've discussed in these episodes. So in terms of identity theft, just how common is this? Pretty common. And, and, you know, one reason I wanted to talk about this is that I have actually had some, some folks, some clients be victims of different types of scams, be it a phone scam or something else. And so it, it definitely felt like it was something that would be relevant for folks out there. And, and what I've learned and in looking into it a little bit more is that it affects a lot of people. So I, from a couple of, of different research sources that we found, I mean, one thing from a, a legal blog that, um, that we were researching, uh, they reported that one in 15 people become the victims of identity fraud at some point. So that's a lot. I mean, I was really shocked at one in 15, though I will say in the cases that I have, have known of folks that have been affected, you know, somebody's gotten access to their checking account, you know, and we've had to maybe change the bank account we had on file for them or they've reported, you know, having a, a loss uh, due to a scam. It, w- it wasn't necessarily the folks I would have thought that would be victims of that. So one in 15. So it's a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, is, is that um, is that globally? Is that domestically? How does this affect? Is, is it um, are there certain demographics uh, and ages of people or points and points in their yeah. life that are affected more often than others? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I believe that is a global statistic. So that's probably around the globe. One in 15. Though the same blog did mention that Americans, so we are the most likely to have our identity stolen. I don't know if that's because we're doing more <laughs> online or why that is. I can't really comment on that, but apparently we're we're very likely when you look globally to have our identity stolen. Um, the same the same blog mentioned over six hundred fifty thousand people suffered from identity theft in twenty nineteen. And it looks like those numbers have only grown since that point from some other data sources we saw. And what was surprising to me, I think it's across the board because they reported over a a million children will become victims of identity theft. A million children. That's got to be global. But my my, um, I would suspect that that's most likely where people um, obtain a child's social security number and or, or some other identifier and open up, you know, credit accounts in their name and, and social. And, you know, you don't think about checking your child's credit, right? So no. you may not be aware, you know, I guess it could be, a, you know, a relative or someone close to the family, maybe babysitter or something like that, that would somehow have access to that information and open up you know, most often it's it's credit card theft. That's that seems to be the most likely uh, source for these. Where I believe it's folks finding a, finding information about you 
opening up credit accounts in your name, you know, credit cards that you're unaware of, and then running up debt against those um, that you don't become aware of until all of a sudden there's a there's a debt out there in your name. So that seems to be the most common are these these cases of identity theft involving credit card. But I think it's you know, I think it's a huge it's a huge situation affecting people of probably of all sorts of ages and all, all sorts of parts of the world, too. Well, to also piggyback off of why children might be more liable to it, um, a lot of video games nowadays have in-game cosmetics and just in-game purchasable items. And I know uh, a lot of kids will not realize as they're making those purchases how easy it is for people to you know, reach out to them and say like, hey, we see you have a credit card on file. Uh, and they'll just it'll continue from there mm, because a lot of the times mm. and I know the big game recently is Fortnite. That game has led to children spending hundreds of dollars. And then before they know mm-hmm. it, you know, their parents or grandparents are getting bills and emails and calls. <laughs> and, hey, what's what's going on? Where's all this money coming from? And the parents are none the wiser until wow. oh, you know wow. hundreds of dollars are just down the drain. Wow. That makes wow. a ton of that makes a ton of sense. It really does. And now I need to make sure that I'm checking on those kind of things because <laughs> I know yeah. I've got one who plays Fortnite. We we <laughs> don't have too. Fortnite, but we still have games that have online play and purchasable items and stores and all sorts of things like that. Sure. So uh that's sure. that's a really good point. Connor, just from your perspective, how serious is identity theft? Can you put any words behind um you know trying to really get across the, the gravity of, of this type of thing and how it can affect people? Uh, yeah, I think um, with technology and video games, of course, only becoming more common. Um, it's just one of those things. I don't necessarily know how well uh, teachers or guardians are presenting information to kids like through school and throughout the home. You know, like what are the best ways to prevent these types of situations? I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I personally didn't even really hear about this kind of stuff until I was well into high school. So I can only imagine how scary that can be for a middle schooler or, or people just right. growing into that type of environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, so video games is not one that I would have thought of. Jennifer, it, you know, I think right. are, are, how much do... Um, are phone calls still something that that lead to this? I mean, look, I get definitely. I, yeah. I, I three times a day, I see a I see a call come up on my phone that mm-hmm. says spam risk, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. But how much? How much of this? Even if something that isn't identified as as spam um, comes up in your in your on your phone, um, how much of that contributes here? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I definitely heard of phone scams. I think they they tend to target or, or tend to maybe. I don't know if they're more susceptible, but tend to end up end up uh, affecting elderly people. I think a lot from what I've heard, especially they'll get, you know, get someone on the phone and convince them that uh, their their grandchild, who's probably a young adult, is uh, in need of some money to get out of jail or get it. They're in some sort of trouble. And, you know, we'll, we'll have enough information probably gleaned online. And daughter may have some input on that, too. But to, to convince them that they know the grandchild and that they just need to, to make a bank transfer to help that person out of debt or out of a legal problem or something like that. And that I think is, is a really big source of problems for, um, you know, maybe for folks that aren't so much online, you know, with kids, it may be more online, you know, with games, I think with, with older folks, it's getting caught up in some kind of phone scam 
where before you know it, you've given your bank information to someone that either pretends to be a legitimate vendor or someone who, you know, is helping out your family who's really in a bond. Um, you know, for example, we, you know, we talked about the, the identity theft. 2021 data was the most recent I saw uh, where 59 million Americans lost money in some kind of phone scam. Mm. And the average um, loss was around twelve hundred dollars. That that source was from AARP, so that gives you kind of an idea that that's something I think for folks that are maybe a little bit older, you know, that maybe they're they don't do as much online, but they can be a victim, you know, victim via phone. So I think that really is a problem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then before we get into some of the things that people can do to safeguard. You know, we talked about video games and, and online accounts. We talked about phones and that's not just phone calls. I mean, text mess, people get spam text messages all the time sure. and say, Hey, your 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 password has been compromised, your account's oh, been gosh, compromised. Yeah. You know, click this link time. to to fix mm-hmm. that. And we'll get into some some ways you can protect yourself there. But um Connor and Jennifer email, I would think as well, too. Mm-hmm. Some people can mm-hmm. do a really good job masking emails to make them seem like they're from a reliable source, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's very scary. I, I feel like it's banks. It's where people impersonate your bank or some other, maybe your credit card or something like that, where, you know, and before you know it, you've clicked on a link and, you know, then, then you're on your computer and maybe got some information about your actual bank account. Yeah, of course. Uh, emails are, are a very scary threat. And I believe in my experience, the one that seemed the most incredible to me um, was you people can actually send you via email calendar invites and people go, mm. oh, okay, well, someone from my company has just sent me, you know, like a calendar invite for me to click on. And before you know it, you click on the calendar invite to put it within your Outlook calendar and then they've got access to everything. Mm. I mean, it just looks like such a simple link. And before you know it, you've just given access to your whole company. Wow. Yeah. 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 All right. So hopefully we've we've scared people enough. <laughs> right. <here. laughs> you're terrified now. <laughs> so you're terrified. We, we have we have your attention. So so let's talk about how people can protect themselves. Let, let's go over a few ideas or yeah. not ideas, but uh tips that uh that people can use to protect themselves here. Yeah, because it's scary, right? I mean, we know anyone could, could be a victim, but th- but you're not helpless, right? I mean, and this is where I want to lean on Connor to share some really good points about how to protect yourself, especially online too. So, so, so you're not, you're not hopeless. So here, we'll give you a few things you can, you can do. Right. So the first thing that I would always say to anybody is just always be skeptical. Luckily we have, like you said, a lot of our phone calls will even tell us that this looks like scam. Uh, But sometimes you don't get those notifications. So the first step would always be skeptical. And of course, if it's something you're not, 100% sure about, reach out to your IT group or professional and just always get some guidance from from those guys. Mm -hmm. If you, I guess if you're a personal, so at at work, of course, like you said, ask ask your IT person. If it's your personal email, you know, your retiree, I mean, I guess, I guess the first thing is don't click on anything if you're not sure, right, Connor, if you get an email, for example. Yeah. Um, that actually kind of would lead into one of my other one of my other um, recommendations is 
if you're not 100% sure as to what the link is, if it's not a conversation that you initiated, especially if it's an email coming from an outside source that you're really not sure who they are, just, you know, avoid that link at all costs. And then, you know, reach out to maybe like a relative or just anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. that might have more guidance on the situation. Yeah. Well, I know, I think that's a good one, Adam, about the text because I get all the time, you know, your Amazon password or your PayPal password needs to be updated via text. And so if you, if it's something you actually use, like, like Amazon, um, what I've always tried to do if, because when they first started, you know, I wasn't sure are they legit or not, you know, because you do actually use Amazon, right? So, you know, I would, instead of using the link in the text, go to my actual Amazon app and see right. if there's any activity, if there seems to be any problem. I guess that's a, the thing to do, right, Connor, if you're, or if it's an email that looks like it's from your bank, don't click on the link in the email, maybe go to go to the bank app on your phone or go to the website or, or go down to the bank, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I would say even at a bare minimum, just give your bank a call and say, Hey, I've got this. Yeah. email. I just wanted to double check and make sure that this is from you guys. And of course they should be able to have that, that history that they sent the email from someone. Yeah. Right. That, that was going to be my question is, you know, a lot of times if, if, if you think it could be real, it could be from something that you already use, like you said, Jennifer, like mm-hmm. your bank, or it could be your Amazon account or your Disney Plus account. You know, just log yeah. into your just log into your account. That's yeah. that that has hopefully has safety, and, and we'll get into the ways that um, some of that stuff gets authenticated. But um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty good idea. Um, what about you know if if what what's your policy? not policy, but um, what's kind of your advice, your recommendation when, when, when it comes to information that you might share over the phone or over mm. an email? Um, mm-hmm. How you said, be skeptical. Are there situations or, or are there guidances that you have in terms of what information you should or should not share or when you should or should not share it? Yeah, I, I would generally say um, if it's a conversation you're starting, like if it's a number you know is, is legitimate, if it's an email you know is legitimate, those things tend to be okay to share. Um, but if you just simply aren't comfortable doing that, then I think it's one of those things where you could, you know, physically, if it's a bank situation or a doctor situation, you just physically take that paperwork there just, just to avoid that hurdle. Mm-hmm. So I guess if, if you called in to your doctor and they want to verify your identity, that's probably fair right? Um, or your bank, you know, but if, if somebody calls you and says, I'm from Bank of America or Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they need to verify your identity, that that's probably a red flag, right? Absolutely. And in my, my like past, your social. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in my past experience, there was actually a very large, I'd say like 60 to 90 day gap where we had a slew of people calling and name dropping hire people up in our company and saying, Oh, really? This is, this is wow. my name and I need this information so that I can continue doing my work. And then, pe- mm-hmm. you know, we went through a whole thing where we were actually calling the person they were claiming to be and saying, Hey, is this true? Is this really you? And of course they were like, Oh no, that, that's not me. Please don't wow. give out anything that, you know, could really put us in jeopardy. So it wow. can get scary really quickly. Sure. Yeah. Always wow. try to bear, always try to verify, I guess. Right. Always Absolutely. try to verify. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
this is this this next point is something I'm really interested in because look, I I, I have a zillion passwords that I use for all different <laughs> right. things. And I don't I don't have the the brain capacity to remember all of them. So I need a way to store them. I need a way to to be able to access them quickly, but also securely. Tell me everything that we need to know about managing passwords. <laughs> Right. So this one is actually getting much easier. Uh, I know traditionally a lot of people would have either a notebook or some piece of paper in their side, you know, in a drawer in their desk with all their passwords written down. But luckily, Google security has a much easier way to maintain these passwords. Um, So that's the place that I would put them. Uh, But the, the general tip here is if you have personal use websites or applications, make those passwords completely different than business related passwords. Uh, your business related okay. passwords should always be much more complex, uh, much harder for people to guess. You know, you don't want to do password one, two, three, four. That's not, that's not going to give you the security. <laughs> you your password um, is password. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then of course, at the end of the day, now we've got two factor authentication. Like I know when we use some applications right. here at work, we get that six digit code that comes to our phone and that's mm-hmm. only, right. you know, that's only to our device so that has that extra barrier of security. Yeah. Those two-factor authentications—they're annoying, but I—I get why I get why, <laughs> I get why we use it. Um, oh yeah. But oh, okay. So, so you're saying, hey, don't make what you log into your bank account the same password that you use for your work computer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or like yeah. you don't want Facebook in your Wells Fargo account the exact same password. Like those those should never mm-hmm. even be in the same ballpark. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the social media is so easy to break into, like the, to be stolen, and then they've got your password for everything. Exactly. Quite frankly, I think yeah. social media is just the easiest thing for hackers to target because it's one of those things where your Twitter, your Facebook, you know, your your Reddit, all those things are going to have typically the same passwords mm. or if or yeah. some variation of the same passwords. So I'm pretty sure they're you know they're just it makes the most sense to target all of those. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, but you you would recommend um, using like what Google can can do through um, through your computer or through an internet browser in terms of um, in terms of s- storing passwords so that you can easily access them and do so securely. Correct. I believe a lot of people are always going to be a little skeptical just to have their passwords saved on something that they don't completely understand or can't completely control. Uh, but Google is, I mean, there's, yeah, you're not getting into Google. It's, it's very secure. Oh, that's good to know. So if you use the Google Chrome browser, is that what you're, you're speaking to Connor? Haven't exactly. saved there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Good. What, what about on your phone? Like if you have passwords for your app, um, can, can you also do the same thing through Google on your phone or do you need to set something up different? Like if you have an iPhone, um, you know, Apple password manager or something like that, or is there an app that, that people might want to look at? Yeah, I do know that there are apps you can download. I personally don't use any uh, just for like password holding, uh, generally because everything that I'm going to access is through a browser. So mm. Google will naturally ask, hey, do you want to save your password here? And generally I will say yes. I don't see any risk of, of doing that. Oh, okay. Interesting. I want to take a quick break from this show to do two things. One, we'll say thank you for listening and supporting the Triad Podcast Network. Just listening to this episode is appreciated. Second, I want to ask that you support a local business that supports us as a presenting partner. 
a real estate company we trust, the Ginther Group, located in Winston-Salem. Right now, in the spring, the housing market is moving fast. You need someone you can rely on to assess your situation, read the data and trends, and steer you in the right direction. Interest rates, inventory, new construction, there are so many factors that impact our local market. Don't buy into the national internet headlines. Get the information from the folks right here in our neighborhood. Contact Blake Ginther and the Ginther Group today. Whether you're buying or selling, have cash or not, or if your home isn't in the ideal condition for selling, chances are they have a solution for you. Call 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com. Buying, selling, investing, or just learning, whatever you need. Start now and, like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life. What if what if you have a website? Let's let's get back into two factor authentication. Um, again, it's it's an, it's an annoyance for people, but it's look if if it makes it more secure, it's it's totally worth it. Um, is that something that people can can set up on their own? What if what if you have act? What if you have accounts that aren't necessarily there yet? Anything that people might want to do there. Um, I would say as, as far as that's concerned, a lot of websites nowadays will just naturally offer it as you're creating an account. Hmm. Um, so there's always that. And then on the on your phone, what you want to download is either Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator. And then from your website that you're trying to create an account on, you'll just link that through either like a QR code or some type of URL. Hmm. So it's typically, it, you know, it's it's getting a lot easier now and it's much more common than it used to be. So just adding that extra layer of security just goes the extra mile. Interesting. Interesting. I'm so yeah. glad you brought it, you invited Connor on here, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning so much. Yeah. I, I like to think I'm fairly yeah. tech savvy, but I'm learning things that I've I've wouldn't have thought of. Well, and I think that I think what's what makes it challenging, right, are the scammers are constantly working, right? So they're creating new and more creative ways to get our information. So it's something to to always try to stay ahead of. So let's say that um, let's say that you are somebody that's running a company. Maybe you work in IT. You are responsible for managing a group of people that all have to access something through a login, through a password. Mm-hmm. Um, what about trying to make sure that you're setting policies for for people to make sure that all your your information is safe, not just for you, but throughout whatever enterprise you're running? Right. Um, one thing that we would always try to stress to every department, including our own, is you're only as strong as your weakest link in this regard. And I think a perfect example um, was the oil pipeline hack that we just had a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it was, I think we ended up, I know we lost over $30 million to the hackers. Um, and you just want to always stress to people, make sure your passwords are up to date. Uh, go over as many of these situations as possible because in a way you kind of do want to scare people. You want to make them aware as possible so that these things don't happen. So, yeah. And that could also apply, these kind of things could also apply to your household, true? It doesn't have to be your business. Um, how, How would each of you recommend talking to your spouse, your kids, anybody you live with that you might share an account with? Mm hmm. True. I mean, back to the kids, right? I mean, so you have to, you know, teach them, especially as they get older, you know, be careful about let, leaving statements laying around, right? Or their yeah. social security number laying around. Like, so 
Make sure you have a shredder in the house. We shred shred everything in our house that has our name and address on it. Yeah, that's, I think that's smart. I mean, especially if, you know, if if you're not all on the same page, you know, you leave stuff laying around and then you've got a babysitter, repair person in there Mm -hmm. and they could pretty quickly, you know, grab a piece of information that might have a lot of, you know, sensitive data. And then, then back to that idea of somebody opening up a, a credit account in your name. I think that's important, you know, just like physically. And I'm sure, you know, Connor, you would say probably online, you know, something similar, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's of course, you know, kind of goes back to the, the point I was just saying with, with you're only as strong as your weakest link. It, it only takes, you know, one of your kids to go on there and just make that mistake one time. Your bank account yeah. information is just given to the wrong person. And I know in a lot of situations, kids, when they're loading up, uh, games or any type of social media platform, uh, you'll often get a message that says a true employee of whatever they're accessing will never ask for, you know, this specific uh, information. Yeah. And it's good for sure. kids to see that because a lot of times they'll say, oh, this person from, you know, say Epic Games needs my information mm-hmm. and they look official. Mm-hmm. So here, here we go. I'll just go ahead and hand right. it over to them. And mm-hmm. that's where things go downhill very quickly. Yeah. And I guess that's interesting. I don't know that and you mentioned this earlier, Connor, I don't remember, of course, I'm too old for this to have been taught, but in schools, but it sounds like it wasn't taught in schools for you as well, right? I mean, like, no, you didn't have a course or, you know, anybody in school that said, you know, here's, here's how to protect yourself online, right? No, I I mean, if I did, it's one of those things that feels so common within today's society that I feel like I just can't learn it on my own. So I don't really remember sure. going over any specific criteria in, in school. I do, however, mm-hmm. remember when I made my very first Facebook account, I remember my parents saying, you know, this stuff lasts forever. So anything you do on social media and anything you do online, it's like you can try and delete it, but there's a chance that it only takes one person to see it. So just yeah. you know, I, from from a very early age, I just remember instilling in myself, make sure to have just a really good sense of awareness and try not to let anything too sensitive get put on the internet. Yeah, true. I mean, the internet internet is forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they were probably thinking about your reputation, but I guess the same would apply, you know, if you've got a bank, your social security number floating around, right? Yeah, absolutely. At that point, I, I don't even think I had any financials set up. So that probably wasn't a too big of a concern. Like you yeah. said, it's more so reputation. Sure, yeah. sure. But I think the same applies, right? Yeah. Because, oh, they absolutely do. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Because if, if you have a breach, you know, how hard is that to, to get your, you know, your, your stuff cleaned up, right? God, like, it's like, if you had a breach yeah. on your computer or your phone, like how, how difficult is it to come back from that, to, to clean that out? Yeah, that's a that's a hard situation to face right there. And we actually have here one of our one of our interesting facts is on average it takes approximately fifty nine days to get one hundred percent clean. Um, especially, I, I'm sure it's business or individual specific on how much information, of course, is trying to be acquired. Um, but for major companies, especially, there's so much data that to get all your viruses, all the malware, everything cleaned out, it can take approximately 59 days. Wow. Mm, wow. You're, wow. So you're leaving yourself vulnerable for two months, potentially. Exactly. Mm, wow. And, and they don't need that much time, right? No, essentially <laughs> they would need it. around 24 hours to get just the, you know, a lot of people, I, I, 
if they have a very specific set of information they need, they know how to get it, they get it, and then they get out. But a lot of people will plant these little bugs that like, as you continue to access information, it'll also update on their end as well. So they, it's like a continuation of information that they just keep getting and you don't even realize they still have it. Oh man, mm. that is wild. That's just wild. So, mm. okay. So we, we've, we've talked about a lot of preventative measures. Um, but as you mentioned there, let, let's speak to the threat of you have been breached. So what do you do? So, so yeah. what, do you re- what do you recommend for people if they think that they are vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, I think, and and Connor, you may have some thoughts too about changing passwords and so forth, but I think it's hard to tell sometimes, right? Like, especially like if you mentioned kids have their identity stolen sometimes and you wouldn't be aware. Um, Sometimes I think, you know, people can be opening accounts in your name and and you're not aware. Um, So I think one good place to start is if if you're not sure is to get a copy of your credit report. I mean, we said most of these thefts involve your credit taking out credit accounts in your name. So everybody's entitled to a free report every year. And maybe we could put the link in the show notes where you can visit, you know, annualcreditreport.com and get a copy of that. Um, And then we, we also have a really great resource through the federal trade commission, um, what to do if different types of data have been um, exposed, you know, like maybe it's your social security number. What do you do? Or is it your, your debit card? What steps should you take there to protect yourself? I'm sure if it's an online experience, right, Connor, you would make sure to change all passwords and things like that. Right. Yeah, of course you want to instantly get in there, change passwords, even update usernames. If you feel like that's something that's easy to access. Um, just anything that you know that you can change then and there, go ahead and get that stuff updated as quick as possible. Yeah. Well, and I think too, this is probably, probably obvious, but it might be needed to be said, but, and I think we discussed this in our financial literacy podcast too, Adam, but, you know, review your transaction history, right? So if you're, you know, most people are using a credit card in a bank account, right? Make sure you're really frequently reviewing that because that that could be your first sign. You know, somebody's gotten into your bank account or they've gotten your credit card information. Or if you see something fraudulent or something you don't identify, you know, immediately report that to the bank or credit cards. Um, so that that probably should should really be step one is monitor the accounts you have open really diligently, and then also check and make sure there's not something out there that you don't even know about that could be in your name. Hmm. Yeah. One, one last question. This is a little bit off script, but um, you know, they're, they're, the companies I guess aren't around as much anymore, but there, there are companies out there that you can, you can pay and they, and they'll tell you that they mm-hmm. will help to protect you from identity theft. Sure. You know, LifeLock was the one that, that comes to mind that yeah. used to be around. Are, are those still a thing? And, and are those, some t- can can those be helpful more so than just hey just make sure that you are you are keeping safe practices with with your information yeah I, I think they can be helpful I mean from the research that I had done in the past I think that was more popular years ago for somebody to subscribe to lifelock or do things like that to protect themselves I don't think they're a bad idea I mean I think you have to weigh the cost of that service versus um, you know, any, any benefits, what, what are they actually doing? You know, you want to be wary of that and recognize too, I think there's probably some 
disclosures there where they can't fully protect you, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes there there are some provisions in there of you know helping you get back on your feet, deal with any um, you know any uh, breaches you know that might have happened. Um, you know some if you're if you're lost money in certain types of you know, certain types of identity theft. But I think also, I, I don't know that there's any service, you know, with that phone call example, where somebody calls you and you end up giving them your bank account or or if it's something where, you know, you accidentally give out your information. I'm not sure any of those services would really be helpful. Yeah. Right. Tough to protect someone from that, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, you know, that is, I don't mean that to belittle people that have been impacted by that because I, you know, you've, you've heard of these stories where these scammers are very convincing and they have crafted um, a, a very enticing story where people can get sucked into that um, and really play on their fear of their families in trouble or, uh, you know, you've got a tax bill due. IRS scams are really common this time of year. Back to what you know, Connor was saying. You know, they're, they're not going to call you from the IRS and ask you for your social security number, but that's a very common scam. And I don't know that any of those services can protect you, which is, you know, one reason that I, I think it's so important you know, for people to to educate themselves and you know have have that financial literacy, that knowledge. So I think I think that's one reason I really believe and you know want to continue doing these podcasts is to help people protect themselves and just leverage all their financial resources and not, not have it, you know, um, taken from them. Okay. Well, uh, Connor, any, any last pieces of advice that you would give people? Um, I mean, you, you've kind of laid it out there pretty well, but, uh, hopefully people take away from this, just how serious this can be, how diligent they need to be. And, um, look, hopefully people won't be in these situations because they can follow some of these preventative measures. But any any final thoughts you would leave people on this topic? Yeah, of course. Um, once again, always be skeptical. It never hurts just to have that little bit of extra awareness. And of course, never have the mindset of it won't happen to me because that's, mm-hmm. I mean, how many people have had that mindset before and then it did happen sure. to them and now they're in a in a really awful situation. So just always be aware, always be skeptical and just, you know, in a sense, you got to stay on your toes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Jennifer, uh, if you, if you would maybe leave people how they can get a hold of you and, or Connor, um, with three. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, folks are welcome to visit our website, which is three magnolias, financial advisors.com all spelled out. So just our name, three magnolias, financial advisors.com. They're welcome to call us. Our number is three, three, six, seven, zero, one, 1600. Ask for myself or Connor if they have any follow-up questions. We love to hear from listeners. Um, you also can email us. Um, our emails are either Jennifer or Connor. So you could, if you want to email me, you can send it to Jennifer at 3-magnolias.com. So that's the number 3-magnolias with an S.com. And same for Connor, just his first name and the same a website domain. So I would love to hear from folks. I know it's not the most exciting topic, <laughs> but an important one. And, you know, just, just be careful out there, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Very helpful information. Really, really educational and informative podcast this time. Um, If you want access to all of our previous episodes, we 
we touch on a variety of topics in the financial world. Um, you can go to their website, threemagnoliasfinancialadvisors.com. If you click on the blog section of their website, you'll find links to all of our previous episodes. And we'll put their contact information and website here in the show notes as well. So uh, Connor and Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, Adam. Securities offered through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satera Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. The market indices discussed are unmanaged. Additional risks are associated with international investing, such as currency fluctuations, political and economic stability, and differences in accounting standards. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and not necessarily those of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode on the Triad Podcast Network. Our mission is simple. Provide information, advice, and stories about the people and places that make the North Carolina Triad such a great place to be. You can find us by searching Triad Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you like to listen. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and those that contribute, we would truly appreciate a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps spread the word along, as do your shares on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Triad Podcast. To get in touch with us, simply email info at triadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Triad Podcast Network.